Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. I read an article back in March written by Lee Stein for the New York Times that coined a phrase, as far as I can tell, it was the first time I'd heard it, and I googled a little to see that it seems like that was the first time it had been used, instavangelists. The article highlighted the prevalence and popularity of online theologians and self-help gurus who've gathered such a following so as to take the place of, if not threaten even, the traditional role of pastors and theologians and the very notion of the church in our Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter kind of culture. Many of these instavangelists, based on a best-selling book followed by a sold-out book signing, book reading, speaking tour, or TED Talk, have become, the article says, the primary theological influence and outlet for millions of their followers. And I'm a fan and a follower of many of them, myself. And, full disclosure, I'm pea green with envy about most of them too. I'm talking about authors that I've read, seen speak on those speaking tours and who I follow, like I said, on multiple social media platforms. People like Glennon Doyle, Nadia Boltzweber, Lenny Duncan, Brene Brown, Rob Bell. I have admired the way Nadia, Lenny, and Rob, in particular, have started thriving ministries in their respective churches, built communities of faith that have done beautiful, amazing, faithful church work in the world. And I've wondered so many things when I've seen them then leave those ministries for these not-so-traditional 21st century callings. And it looks, to be honest, like the greener grass of internet fame and some kind of fortune I can only guess about. They are social media influencers of the highest order, not hawking shoes or makeup or 
energy drinks or whatever, like the Kardashian set. But marketing stuff that really matters. The good news in 280 characters or less. Calls to do justice and to love kindness by way of a perfectly parsed and fantastically filtered photo on Instagram. Grace, mercy, and peace in the form of a Facebook feed that gets liked and loved and shared and listened to around the world in 80 seconds. And on my good days, I don't begrudge them any of it. But like that article I read said, I have to remind myself that it's not church. And as much as I get a boost from a well-timed tweet or feel inspired and edified and justified by the way someone on my end of the theological spectrum can put into a few words what I would like to say more loudly and clearly myself, I realize that there's not much meat on those virtual bones when it comes to really engaging the world. See, I feel like Jesus calls us to more than that because Jesus was called to more than that. As he describes so colorfully, even if a bit oddly, in this morning's gospel, there's a kind of a joke, maybe more of a lament among preachers about this run of gospel stories that we've had for the last five weeks. Each of them, if you've been paying attention about the bread from heaven, for crying out loud. If you've been around, you know we started back in July with the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and every blessed week since has been an extension or a continuation on that theme. This week's gospel begins with some of the very same verses we heard last week, that bit about the living bread that's come down from heaven. And it's good stuff, don't get me wrong, but it can feel like more of the same old, same old rerun, too. Lenny Duncan, one of those pastors I like, who left his ministry within the last two weeks, just a day or so after announcing his resignation, with all sorts of meaningful, powerful, reflective, theological clarity about the choice that he'd made, joked that it was really the festival of the bread, this series of five readings that did him in. All of that said, today's talk from Jesus seems to kick it up a notch if we're willing to pay attention. It seems kind of gross, graphic even, He hits the eat my flesh and drink my blood stuff pretty hard, doesn't he? See, the other problem with hearing this over and over and over again in the confines and in the context of worship is that we might take for granted just how graphic and just how gross and just how strange this was. Maybe how gross and graphic and strange it should still be for us. Like it was for those first faithful Jews who heard it way back when. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I'll raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. I don't even eat meat anymore. Out of context, Jesus sounds like a crazy person, like a madman. It's no wonder people had questions, suspicions, doubts, fears, maybe, about what he was up to and what he was calling them to do. And what he was calling them toward, what he calls all of us to still, is community that gathers around bread and wine. Community that eats and drinks together. Community that is sent out into the world, like Jesus was, to be God's hands and God's feet and God's voice, to be God's very real presence, to be the body of Christ, flesh and bones ourselves, for the sake of those who need the kind of grace and mercy and peace who need the kind of love and forgiveness and second chances, people who need the kind of healing and hope, the kind of food, the kind of clothing, the kind of shelter that you can't offer by way of a post on social media, that you can't receive from a tweet, that your Facebook feed won't actually feed Again, don't get me wrong, there is beauty and there's faithfulness and God's work is done by some of these online personalities. Glennon Doyle, for instance, has raised thousands, probably millions of dollars for worthy causes because she can ask her followers to do that with a click of a couple of buttons. Nadia Boltzweber's podcast, The Confessional, is an exercise in grace mercy and forgiveness and blessing. I recommend it. Lenny Duncan's social media presence is a no-holds-barred, righteously indignant, faithful call to social justice for all of God's children who aren't finding it in too many churches these days. And you and I know how necessary, how valuable, how faithful, how holy and sacred an online presence can be during the times of a global pandemic. But Jesus' words today, and all of his up-close, down-and-dirty, nitty-gritty, flesh-and-blood stuff, remind me about why we do what we do as a community of believers— called and bound together by the bread we break, by the wine we pour, by the body of Christ we experience, by the body of Christ we share, by the body of Christ we become when we are gathered together and sent out for the sake of the world. The pandemic has made it hard over the last year or so, we all know, and it may make it hard again if we're not careful. But one thing I hope we've learned is how much it matters that we gather bodily to share and to be the body of Christ for and with each other and always for the blessing and benefit of the world.
We need to see and to share not just the broken body of Jesus in the bread we break around this table. We need to see the brokenness of our brothers and sisters in Christ just the same. We need to see the blood of Christ poured out for us and poured out for the sake of the world so that we'll be challenged and encouraged and reminded of our call to be poured out ourselves for the benefit and blessing of others. We need to chew on the hard, holy words of Scripture in the company of others who might hear or understand or believe them differently even. So that together we might be surprised and challenged and filled up by the depth of their meaning. And man, we need to be nourished by all of this. Bread, wine, flesh, blood, the body of Christ that surrounds us in this place. Stained and stinky and sinful as we are. Because we are called to be the influencers. You and I. Influencers. As followers of Jesus. Influencers who teach kids. Here in our schools and who volunteer in so many ways out in the community. Influencers. Who share meals and friendship with prostitutes on the east side of our city. Influencers who build homes in Haiti that have not collapsed. Influencers who worship, learn, serve, and give generously because our kids and our neighbors learn from us when they see it. Influencers who are more forgiven than we are sinful. And who try to live differently because of that truth. Influencers who welcome and love and feed people with this body and with this blood that too many refuse to share so generously. Here, we are called to be influencers in the flesh. Not just with words, but with deeds, not just with proclamations of grace, but as ones who keep those promises and share it for real. Not just in our own circles or our own social media silos or from the comfort and safety we find behind the shield of our cell phones. We are called, you and I, and we are blessed and we are bettered when we do God's work in person, in flesh, blood, and bones. The same flesh and blood and bones that we have in common with Jesus himself, crucified and risen, broken and poured out for the life of the world. Amen.